What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods here coming at y'all with another episode in our SEC in 30 days theme. We're finally to the national champions, the SEC champions. Alabama football is here. We have an Alabama football insider for the Tuscaloosa News. Nick Kelly is joining us on the show today, and I just want to say I appreciate you taking some time, man. Zach, it's, it's great to be with you. Absolutely. So we got so usually I start out these interviews. All every interview we've done so far, I've started out with this. And I always ask about preseason expectations and whether the season met it. Well, when you win the national championship, you win the SEC championship, I'm pretty sure your expectations were met for the season. But this is Nick Saban's sixth national title at Alabama. Ties Bear Bryant officially his seventh total, had that one at LSU. For you, though, and I also want to get kind of the tone around Tuscaloosa. Does this solidify Nick Saban's spot as the number one coach in Alabama history over Bear Bryant? Well, you can make the argument. I mean, it's now they, they're even in those national championships. But then, just like you said, Coach Saban has seven total, and, and Coach Bryant had six here at, in uh, Tuscaloosa. So you can make the argument, I think, that, that Nick Saban – might be that guy, and of course, if he wins another another couple before his his, his contract is up in what twenty twenty eight now, uh, I think he will make that decision very easy. But but I think you can certainly make the argument now if if you want to. It just depends on what what you place in importance. But but the reality is too the different eras as well of coaching, and and in some ways this past championship might have been the most difficult because of COVID, because of the crazier, because of the tougher schedule. And they still went undefeated and won a national championship. Right. And they did it in dominant fashion. I mean, every game was just uh, uh, immaculate, if, if you want to say that. And if, if our listeners have any say, we did a poll last summer. We did like we, we did like a March Madness thing where we had like the greatest coaches of all time, greatest players. Nick Saban won by a landslide, even over Bear Bryant. So if our listeners have anything to say, they already got Nick Saban even before he won. Uh, this year's national championship above Bear Bryant. But I know it's a big debate uh, down there in Alabama. I'm from Alabama myself, as you can see, the Auburn jerseys in the back. Sure. Um, little rivalry there. But, man, I want to get to on the field. We've seen Mac Jones and Tua Tagovailoa dominate, to say the least, college football for the past three years. Bryce Young's the god now, the most hyped quarterback in probably the probably Alabama history as a big five-star kid out of California Solid spring game, expectations are through the roof, like I said. What does Young bring to the offense? And for you just personally, what are your expectations for him in 2021? Well, Bryce Young is an athlete. I mean, this guy can move. He's slippery. He's He just is dynamic. He's just one of those guys where you watch some high school tape of him and, and you can't help but be like, this is just a fun football player to watch. Now, as to how that translates to the SEC, we'll see. There's, there's plenty of hype, as you mentioned. There's plenty of expectations. And the reality is he probably will succeed, whether that's immediately, whether that is a couple of games in, whether that's not even this season. We don't know that until that is proven you play the game for a reason. But he certainly has the skill set needed to to succeed in in this offense with, with now Bill O'Brien as the old coordinator. And, like, there was one play I saw from his high school tape where – the guy looked like he had a dead to rights in a, in a blitz. You know, he was coming right at him, free shot. And, and Bryce waited, waited until the last second, and he spun out of it at the last second. And then he made this throw, I think it was like 30, 40 yards downfield. 
And it, and I think it's just going to be so interesting to see what happens with with him in the SEC because he has this such a fun playmaking ability. And I think he's going to be one of those guys to watch. And a, a name that a lot of people know across the country just because of <laughs> what he was in high school and as a recruit. But once he starts actually playing and, and beating teams, a lot more people are probably going to know his name. But, again, it just comes down to how fast is that going to be. He's got the talent. He's got the ability. He's got that slippery, just fun aspect to his game. But we'll see when that shows up and how quickly. Right. And, I mean, just a little follow-up here. There was a rumor. So, TJ Finley transfers from LSU, winds up at Auburn. There was a rumor Alabama was after him pretty hard. It was a surprise to me because I really liked Jalen Milrow out of this past class as well at the quarterback position. Was there was there fire where there was smoke? Was Alabama really after Finley as hard as some people thought? I'm going to be honest with you. I <laughs> – I'm fairly new to the beat, so I, I don't know fully to that extent. It, it's possible, but I, I, I don't want to say something I do or don't know. Right. Um, so the wide receiver spot, man, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, Alabama has been wide receiver U for the past three, four years, and we saw this mass exodus of talent. All these guys are playing at the next level or will be playing at the next level this fall. There's, there's a huge hole at wide receiver. Bryce Young steps in as a new quarterback. Najee Harris is out at running back. There's a lot of holes, but there's a lot of talent stepping into those. For you, who are the top candidates to replace all these wide receivers that we've seen leave in a few years and be Bryce Young's big targets? Yeah, John Mechie is, is probably the biggest biggest name to watch. He's proven himself already to an extent in these crowded receiver rooms. He was also voted the top Canadian college football this past year. Now that there's tons and tons of Canadians to compete with, but still a nice accolade, for, you know, feather in the cap for him. He caught six touchdowns last year, especially with, with Waddle missing some time. He was able to give him a bigger role and, and show more what he's about, but he'll be the guy now. He'll be, he's kind of the, the proven guy who's coming back, who, who Alabama fans have seen the most of. And now that he has that, just basically a bigger chance to shine without guys like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Ruggs. I mean, just all those guys, now they're gone. He has his moment. But the bigger the bigger question is more so who's going to be around him, and I think competition in in the spring and in, in fall camp is going to determine that because they don't have much in terms of proven guys. Jamison Williams is a guy they got from Ohio State who brings just this electric speed. He brings that elite speed that they've got used to with some of these guys that we've mentioned, and because they don't really have these these burners in this group until they brought in Williams. They have a few guys with some skills and stuff, but in terms of him having a guy with experience who also has burners, he, he's probably that guy. Whether that turns into him being a starter or a big-time playmaker for them, again, time will tell. But he certainly has that ability, and it'll be interesting to see how he does in the Alabama offense. And you have guys like Slade Bolden, who, who's back for another year, a nice nice uh, route runner over the middle and just a nice outlet for Bryce Young. And, and you also have guys like Javon Baker, and you have some tight ends like Billingsley. And Cameron Latou is another one to keep an eye on who could see these amount of snaps and has some report. He scored a touchdown in the, in the spring game uh, from Bryce Young. So we'll, we'll see what that distribution looks like because, I mean, how do you replace guys or what, two, two guys in the top 10 NFL draft at one position? You, you don't, even for a place like Alabama, you don't easily replace that. But they still should, like you said, have, they have talent there. They have guys who can get the job done. And we'll just see who that ends up being in this, in this group through competition. 
right? I mean, there's some talented freshmen that came in, too. I'm blanking on his name right now. He's a kid out of Texas that ran like a 4-2. Reminds me of Rondell Moore. Um, but, you know, with this new scheme, Steve Sarkeesian was the guy for Alabama – Got a lot of praise for how he schemed up Devontae Smith's usage, uh, how he used Najee Harris, and how he really developed Mac Jones's game. Well, he's out now, headed to Texas. Bill O'Brien from the Texans steps in. Now, a lot of people at first were like, Bill O'Brien, after what we saw with the Texans, why would you hire Bill O'Brien? I don't think anyone should question Nick Saban and hiring and anything to do with his staff. He always hits the nail on the head. But for you – what kind of scheme differences do you think we'll see in the O'Brien offense compared to what we saw with the Sarkeesian offense? Frankly, not many, just because what they have been saying about just bringing – just in general with them bringing coaches in, this thing works. What Alabama does works. And so, yeah, they, they tweak things, they improve, they adapt. But they're not looking for an overhaul. They're not looking for massive change. I mean, look, they just had one of the best offensive seasons in college football last year. Granted, all you know that talent for the most part, a lot of it's gone to the NFL. But what they were doing was working, so they're they're not going to see an, a massive overhaul. We're not going to see Bill O'Brien come in and put in a completely new offense, most likely because it was working. And why why fix it if it's not broke, kind of thing. But again, it's not Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, it is it is a different coach, and he's going to be calling plays. And so it's not going to be a carbon copy by any means. But it's more so, hey, here's what we do. You know, we'd love to have your input have you provide some insights, provide a fresh set of eyes, but we're not going to overhaul things. So I really, there probably won't be massive differences. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see kind of how he shifts the offense a little bit under Bryce Young. Cause I think Bryce Young's skill set is pretty different from what we saw with Matt Jones. And also oh, you mentioned his name earlier. I really like Billingsley at tight end. I think being able to use him kind of like Florida used Kyle Pitts last year is going to, take the offense to a new level because he's a matchup nightmare with his size and speed. But it yeah. all starts with it, it all starts with the recruiting trail, man. Nick Saban, <laughs> arguably the greatest recruiting coach of all time, the highest rated class in two four seven sports history last season for the Crimson Tide. It's, I mean, I, I was looking as I was doing research for this interview, seven two four seven five stars committed in this class, which is more than I think, almost maybe more than any combined conference, some combined Power Five conferences landed in total. What were the biggest positional needs, though, for the Crimson Tide in this class? And when you look at the list of names, which are which is star studded, who are some instant impact guys that can contribute immediately for this team? That's the crazy thing is, even though they're getting all these five stars to join their their team, I don't know how many we'll see right away. How many will will have to wait some time until they end up joining the lineup. But there are some there are some openings. And even though the defense returns a lot of its starters, it did lose Patrick Sertan to the Broncos in the draft. And so they have an opening at corner. And one guy to keep an eye on of those five-star freshmen is Jaquincy McKinstry. But really, he just goes by Kool-Aid McKinstry, and which is one of the greatest names you'll find in, in college football, probably sports. Every, even on the roster now, his name was changed to Kool-Aid. And so he's someone who has a ton of talent and probably could see the field early on, especially as they bring more defensive backs on the field because there is an opening at that corner spot. But offensively, I think there's a good chance that you might see some offensive tackles. they got a couple of five stars there 
in Brockmeyer and Lantham and just guys who have talent because they have several openings in the old line as well this year. And because I think they returned two starters on the old line. And so for them, they're going to have some competition there. We'll see who kind of steps up because they have a lot of older guys too. And so we'll see if those guys can contribute. They have a running back, Kamar Wheaton, who's going to come in as a recruit here, who's going to be competing for some snaps there in a very crowded running back room. And so, yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's even though they have some really talented freshmen, they got to develop and they got to be able to play in Nick Saban's system. And it could it could still take a little bit of time, despite how much talent they have. Right. I think Nick Saban's shown that he's willing to play you if you're ready, but he's also willing to let someone start above you if if you're not coming along at the speed that you need to be. So I know you're new on the beat. We talked before the podcast. I mean, just getting started on the Alabama beat. But I know that you've been – like there's been some big recruiting weekends this past weekend and um, these past few weeks. Just being around the program, what is what is different? Like what is it about Alabama that brings these recruits in? And have you seen any of the coaching staff interact with these recruits? Like what is different about Alabama? How do they recruit at this level? Yeah, I think a, a lot of the success just snowballs. And frankly, if you stood outside Brian Denny even just once – that, that alone will get you excited about football. Or you walk through the Walk of Champions, see the statues on the right, or you see the, the national championships laid out in the – I mean, it's just – that alone is going to get you excited to potentially want to come play here. But then – and for Nick Saban being a great recruiter, he is. But also, he's got – he doesn't have to fake anything. I mean, he's got some great stuff to work with. This coaching staff has some great stuff to work with. And even when they lose coaches, as we talked about earlier, they bring in some other guys with some crazy good pedigree. On the offensive line, they brought in Doug Marone, who has been an NFL head coach most recently and has coached some some great offensive linemen for teams like the Saints, the Jets, and, of course, when he was coaching the Bills and, and the Jaguars as well. And so you bring in a guy like that to come coach, well, why wouldn't you as an old lineman want to come play for someone like that? And so they just the, – the, the success just snowballs so much, and I think it's just something where if you're, if you're a high school recruit, you can't help but – just want to continue building that snowball, if you will. Right. I mean, it, listen, I, I grew up an Auburn fan. I went to Auburn, as an, and I'm an alum now. I would probably consider Alabama, even if I was a high school recruit as well. I mean, I know <laughs> that you've seen the videos, but just for our listeners, I mean, there's videos from five four-star recruits, the best recruits in the country, that they're riding ATVs in Nick Saban's backyard, going to hang out on the lake. And, I mean, it, it looks like a blast. And, I'm, I'm, it's, it's just amazing to me as a college football fan to watch him work. But I want to shift to on the field for next year. We see Alabama. I think last year Malachi Moore was kind of this guy, this breakout star for this Alabama team. But for this year, just as you kind of pay attention to spring practice, heard rumblings for summer workouts. Who are who do you have your eye on as potential breakout players for this 2021 squad? Yeah, defensively there's not necessarily a ton of potential for, for breakout guys because they return most of their starters. If you guys to watch the D line potentially, and of course like we talked about defensive backs, but for the most part, the starters are back and, and you're going to see a lot of familiar names. The offense is where there's more potential for breakout guys. And of course everyone knows about Bryce Young, but he technically could be a breakout star because he's only played in cleanup duty so far. But another guy to watch is Brian Robinson, the, the running back who has been waiting his turn. He's been behind guys uh, a lot of talented guys in that running back room. And he scored six touchdowns a year ago. 
and he's going to have his shot to be the lead guy. doesn't mean he will necessarily be the lead guy all year because they have a really talented room with guys like Roy Williams and, and Jason McClellan. I mean, they just they have a lot of talent there. But I'd say Robinson is probably the guy to – or B-Rob is a lot of guys like to call him – is probably the guy to keep an eye on to see if, if he really does live up to the billing because he could be a beast for them. And, again, at receiver, you have John Mechie who now he gets his chance to be the star and he doesn't have to – have a guy getting, I think, what, Devontae Smith had 23 touchdowns last yeah. season. And, and so that's a lot of touchdowns. Not that they're going to hit that same number, but that's a lot of touchdowns that an opportunity there for a guy like Mechie to take advantage of. And just one of these younger receivers, a guy like Ajay Hall, who's the, another freshman. Not, I don't think he's a five-star. I believe he's a four-star. But he's a guy who made some amazing catches in the spring game. And you just go look at his social media. It doesn't take long to find some really fun catches that he's making just off the field as well. And so they have a few guys offensively and on the O-line as well. It's, you know, breakout stars, a little harder to maybe see a breakout star per se. But like I mentioned, they might have some young guys getting some snaps on the O-line. So I'd really focus on the offense in terms of guys to watch as to who could break out. Right. I mean, I think all the experts across the country right now are saying this could be one of the best Nick Saban defenses we've seen in years, which is kind of scary given some of the defenses we've seen in his time in Alabama, I mean, but I want to look ahead at the schedule. Uh, they do have a tough road ahead, even though some people would say it's it's tough, but maybe not for Alabama. I mean, Miami week one is going to be a huge game. That was a top 10 team all last year. De'Eric Kendrick comes back. They land some impact transfers like Tyreek Stevenson. They also have a tough game against Florida week three. They're breaking in a new quarterback with Emory Jones, but Dan Mullen had that team in playoff contention. Then, of course, the two big SEC games, I mean, three big SEC West games, A&M, Auburn, and LSU are all on the docket as well for you. What is right now the ceiling and or floor for the 2021 Alabama team? Well, I think, frankly, the ceiling is going undefeated again. I think it, it might be a crazy thing to say, but I really don't feel like it is. I mean, this team, it's a tricky schedule, but, again, if this talent proves to be what a lot of it's been hyped up to be, they could very well go undefeated, or they could lose a couple of games. I mean, that's the thing. that there's a, lot of, there's a lot of question marks, but not necessarily that they don't have answers to on this team. And, and if they answer them well – you could see an 11-12 win team. If they don't, maybe it's more of a, a nine-win kind of team. But chances are better than that. It's smarter, smarter to trust the the recruiting and the and the 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 guys that Alabama just brings in and just the system that they have. And, and more likely than not, they're not going to lose more than what two games kind of thing. Right. Hey, I mean, this is the second straight episode where the person I had always kind of awkward when I asked this question because we had Georgia last episode, and he was like, "I don't want to." be crazy but the floor is probably SEC championship like appearance I mean I know it's tough when you know you got two of the best programs in recent history but you know this question I'll, I always like to ask as we started this theme to get kind of like the uh, our average listeners kind of engulfed in all these different programs but Alabama is one of the more national brands of college football but for those who haven't been down there I've been to Tuscaloosa a few times for the Iron Bowl for the 2016 clash between Leonard Fournette and LSU and Bama what makes Tuscaloosa and Bright Denny Stadium such a unique environment on game days yeah and that, that's a question I'm really excited to find out the exact answer to myself uh, I started in May, and then just, again, being around Brian Denny, 
I, I've been to a lot of SEC stadiums through through the years of covering the SEC, and there's not much else like it. I haven't been to Death Valley, but other than that, I mean, I've, I've been to places like Knoxville. I've been to Kentucky. I mean, I've just I've been to a lot of these spots, and just it's like a palace. It really is, and, and I can't imagine what it's going to be like when that is full on Saturdays. And and I just think that it's one of those those college towns that I mean, the the university is the biggest deal in town. And not only that, but they have such a good football team that that football team, I mean, you, you can talk to just about anyone in Tuscaloosa and they probably have an opinion of some kind on Alabama football. You don't find that everywhere. You really don't. And and so I think that just that aspect of it's such a community event. It's such a thing that everyone engages in from the, the youngest to the oldest in the community. I think that just fuels and fills Brian Denny. Right. And I mean, you know, that that was that, so this is the last just kind of follow up question. I'm kind of interested in your opinion personally and also just how you think it affects Alabama. We recently saw the announcement of the college football playoff expanding to 12 potentially. So we've a, everyone analyzes this from the group of five perspective, the borderline teams that would fit in at the eight to 12 spot. But for a school like Alabama, how does this affect how Alabama approaches the playoff now that, yeah, you might get a bye week, but now you're going to have to potentially play three more games down the stretch to win a national championship? What's your opinion and kind of what's the tone around Tuscaloosa about this new development in college football? Well, first off, it's a lot of games. It's, it's a lot more games that could wear out some guys and put some more tread on some tires. What are that factors into just draft evaluations, I don't know. I don't know until we actually see guys go through that if they would add those games. But I will say we talk about Brian Denny being, you know, full and exciting. I mean, can you imagine a playoff game in Tuscaloosa? I mean, yeah. <laughs> that'd just be nuts and, and just such a fun thing if you're a football fan. And so from that aspect, it could be really fun. But what we tend to see is these rule changes, no matter what they are, what no matter expansions, whatever it might be, they tend to favor Alabama in some way or another. Nick Saban finds a way to make it something that favors Alabama. And so, yeah, it could be something where, like when they had a down year, and down year for them being <laughs> a couple of losses, uh, they, you know, this could put them in the playoff rather than like when they haven't made it in the past. But if they're still, you know, 11, 12 win team, even 10, it might take some value away from the regular season. It, it might. I don't know. We'll have to see once once that kind of plays out if the 12th team does end up happening. So it could change the dynamic of the regular season a little bit if you really have these playoff games ahead and how you manage having your players in the game, you know, when you take them out, when, when you decide to how many snaps a guy gets, how many carries a guy gets. And so it really is going to be fascinating to see from a, from a game management and really a player management standpoint of how the regular season would be handled by, by an Alabama who might be blowing teams out or like a Georgia or just any team that might be in some games where they're, they're up big early and often. Right. I mean, we saw Alabama win the national title, even when a lot of people thought they shouldn't get in that 17 year when they didn't make the SEC title, they end up beating Georgia. So I was just wanted to see kind of the perspective from like a big school, like, cause I know some fans are like, it doesn't matter if you expand it to 24 teams, Alabama's still, Gonna gonna be in the final four, Georgia, Clemson, and so on. But man, I appreciate you coming on the show. I know you just started the beat over there at Tuscaloosa News, so I appreciate it. But where can our listeners find you, man? Social media, Tuscaloosa News, all that. This is time is yours. 
Yeah, well, I'm on Twitter as as most people in uh, this this business are at underscore Nick Kelly, and yeah, just check out the work on TuscaloosaNews.com. That's that's where it all is. So that's, that's where you can find my work and the work of my uh, talented colleagues like Cecil Hurt and and all kinds of good stuff on there from columns to recruiting to good stories. And, and yeah, check us out on TuscaloosaNews.com. Absolutely, guys, go do that. I mean, some of these schools, I'm like, yeah, you can plug to our listeners, but I'm not sure how many Oregon State fans listen. But me and my co-host, who's off at a wedding right now, is are both from Alabama. So Alabama's our number one listen to state. So there are plenty of Alabama fans who probably even already followed the Tuscaloosa News. So we appreciate it, man. We'll definitely have to have you on closer to the season. So, guys, Go check out Nick, the Tuscaloosa News. Y'all know where to find us on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe. Give this video a big thumbs up, man. But we'll be back tomorrow with another SEC in 30 days. We're moving on back to the SEC East with Kentucky, so you guys can check that out too. And you guys can check out our George episode from yesterday. But for Nick, myself, and the Blue Bloods, guys, we are out. <laughs>